Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, I'm Sean. And I'm Mark. Well, it's good to be back, everyone. Uh, we've got another story to tell you. Something a little bit different this time, aren't we, Mark? We change it up a little. Change it up a little one. I uh, have loved the Heath Brother uh, sort of books that have been put out. You know, starting with Made to Stick. A lot of us in the story world just absolutely love what they were saying, all those different elements that help make what you say, you know, more resonant, you know, sort of to stick with you in different ways. And, of course, he has a whole chapter in that book on storytelling, right? So I got a lot of people thinking about the importance of story. So as they come out with new books, you know, I must admit I get pretty excited and I saw that actually only one of the Heath brothers, Dan Heath, is coming out with a new book in March called Upstream. And the book is kind of, I guess, organised around a single parable. And I wanted to share this parable. I haven't read the book. But I've seen the parable and have, and have a bit of a chat about, you know, how might you use this and, and the role of parables in business storytelling. So where did you see it? It was one of those marketing emails that uh, I got sent. I must be on their email list. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I and I think there was maybe a PDF of the first chapter. I didn't read the first chapter. I read the parable and went, oh, that's good. <laughs> That'll be a, a podcast episode. <laughs> so anyway, this is how it goes. Now, imagine I didn't tell you it was a parable. Imagine you're a business. Let's, let's create a scenario, right? So you're a business leader. You've got your team together. There's something going on that you think this little story might shed some light on, uh, get people thinking a little bit differently. Uh, And so you might say something along the lines of, um, look, I know we're going through some pretty tough times at the moment, but maybe we need to to think about it differently. Uh, It reminds me of of this this example. Uh, There was a husband and wife actually were down uh, near a river. And as they're sort of sitting there having a picnic, they notice some cries. They hear some cries coming from the the middle of the river, this fast-moving river, and they see it's a little kid, and the little kid's drowning. So they both, without hesitation, just jump into the river, and they pull this kid out, and just as they're getting the the child to the the shore, they see another kid coming down. And, of course, they turn around and jump back in and pull another child out, and then another kid child and another and another and it just keeps going and they just they're absolutely you know at the end of their you know ability to 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 do this to save these children and all of a sudden the wife jumps out of the water and instead of diving in for the next child she starts running up the river and the husband's yelling out what are you doing what are you doing and she just says look i've got to go upstream and stop whatever's happening to cause all these kids to end up in the river so, guys, maybe we have a bit of an upstream problem ourselves. Maybe we're down here saving the children when, in fact, we need to go upstream and see if we can see what the bigger problem is. Anyway, what do you reckon? That's a little parable. Um, I think the parable, no, I don't know exactly you know, the, 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 the heritage of this, but I think it comes from about the 1960s. Like, so it's not a really old parable, but it's someone has actually worked, I believe, in that, that whole space of, uh, um, you know, sort of, um, what we call it, uh, public health. You know, and, and you know how public health issues are very much like that. You can easily yep. be, you know, sort of like this coronavirus that's happening at the moment. Right? You could easily 
spend all your time downstream trying to work out how you know how to you know look after the people but what's happened upstream what can you do upstream to stop these things from happening anyway as a story what do you think mark well, I, I love the fact that it's it's brief and uh, makes a, a, a couple... Well, it's used to make a number of points. And right. you've already done that. Right? You've, you've, you've actually kind of um, taken the story, put it in the business context yep. that we would normally talk about. And, um, and, and so we've talked about how you can use it. So you can make a really strong point with it in a very simple way. And it's a good example of how parables can really help. Yes. Uh, but if we start by, I guess, talking about the story itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you reckon? Um for some reason, it, it it doesn't like it's not really compelling, even though it's about children. Yeah, you would think children drowning would yeah. uh, sort of draw you in, but you know what? I don't think it has to be super compelling. You know, it it, it all it has to do is deliver a, a point about something as simple that could enter into the language of the organisation. So it becomes a metaphor for a problem that is happening. So. So in the future, I can imagine people in that business saying things like, um, look, is this an upstream problem? Or do we have to head upstream on this? I can imagine that sort of language. So in terms of the power of the story itself, it's I don't think it has to be that. And I think you'll, all those things we say are important in storytelling, like names and details. You don't have in a parable. It's sort of... Uh, the convention, and I think there's good reasons for this convention, is that you you just talk about you know the husband and wife, you know the farmer, the friends. It's it's a um, it's almost like at the archetypal level as opposed to the specifics uh, of what we'd normally do. I've got a feeling that has some impact on why it doesn't grab as much. Yet there are some parables that that do that 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 are quite compelling. Like one that springs to mind is the two priests who come to the river crossing, and there is a woman there, and there's a, so there's a, a, a senior priest and there's a very young priest, an acolyte, yeah, right, right. Um, and the woman says, "Can you help me cross the river?" And the acolyte says, "No, I can't help you at all. Uh, you know, you're a woman. We're not. We, I can't touch you, and you know, I can't help you. I can't carry." And the, and the and the the old priest says, "Sure, jump on my back." You know, carries the woman across the river, puts her down on the other side, and the acolyte's just furious. What are you doing? You've just you've just gone against all our principles. You've got the woman, and um, and it keeps going on. And and as they're walking back to the monastery, and they finally get to the to the doors of the monastery, and he's still going on. Hey, you know, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have carried her on your back. And he goes, "Well, the old priest says to the to the acolyte, well, here's the thing. Um, I carried the woman across." the bridge, across the water, and I put her down on the other side. It appears that you're still carrying her. <laughs> That's a nice story. It's a nice story. Um, and, yeah, it, uh, definitely a more impactful story than that first one. Uh, maybe maybe it's because the the surprise element of the, the upstream story, I mean, even though there's a, a, a small element of surprise... Yes. It's it's not a big surprise, you know. Yeah. It's not it's not the the reveal like the the the, yeah. the priest story, which kind of has a twist. Because well, you yeah, don't know where it might go. Yeah. yeah. The um, I think one of the things I sort of touched on it, but this idea of why there's this convention, and you used it in the priest story. You talk about priests, right? Um, 
there's a convention of not using names, etc. And I think part of it is so that you can telepath to your audience that this is not real. Yep. And this is really important because you don't want to you don't want to retell this story and say, "Hey, uh, so my wife and I were down at the uh, uh, the river the other day, right?" Because that immediately tells the audience this is real. Yeah. So you move from from relaying a parable to lying. Yeah, that's right. And so exactly. A, and, and that completely removes the impact and and, and well, and the mind credibility. It, it? Yeah, credibility just goes yeah. out the out the window. So I think that's a great thing. But there was another one. I'm just trying to remember the name of the author. Um, the and I was flipping. I, I was just flicking through this book of, at a friend's house, and uh, he had this, you know, at Peter Fox's house, and he had all these books there. And there was this book um, which was a retelling of fairy tales. And anyway, I'm flicking through the preface, and the author. I wish I could remember his name now. Listeners, I'm sure you'll be able to get this. Um, but they, his author said something like, "If you want to move fast, you've got to travel lightly." And that is why fairy tales don't have all the detail. They're moving fast. They're fast little stories, right? And so you have princesses and kings and dragons, and you know exactly what this thing is. I think parables are the same. You can zip out a little parable very quickly because you don't have to feel in all that detail about, you know, you don't have to do character development because it's just there as part of... Uh, as soon as you say priest, you know... I certainly had a fry tuck sort of uh, <laughs> a view of those priests, but you know that's that's just what the imagination does, right? So I think that's an interesting element. Um, what do you? How long do you reckon that story might have been? Less than a minute. Less than a minute. Yeah. yeah. I've been um, uh, sort of doing some, I guess, a little story analysis on a couple. This is going to be a blog post in the next few days, but I've been doing this story analysis of just how long. Like I've been looking at Brené Brown's Netflix special mm-hmm. yep. and also um, Kevin Hart's uh, sort of comedy special. And just I've got a colleague of ours, uh, Callum, who's been going through and spotting all the stories and, and, and measuring the length of every story. It's amazing just how many stories. Like I would say 85, 90% of the stories are less than 90 seconds. Yeah, so one of the things that, you know, like there's a common misconception that story takes too long. Yeah. When in fact it, it can be a really economical use of time. So you get great return on time. Yeah, yeah, from exactly, exactly. So so that parable, yeah, probably less than a minute, right, in telling that story. By the way, the shortest story in all those stories that we looked at was four seconds. Can you relay it? Um, it was just simply... Um, I walked on stage. They said I should give me a purse, but I said no. I'm going to keep it. And I what was it? I was going to. It was like I was going. To, no, that's the seven second one. But essentially, she's the uh, Brené Brown walks on stage and she says, "Hey guys, I'm, I'm, just as I was walking on stage, they said, do you want? Shall I take your purse?'" And she goes, "No, a Texan always keeps a purse and has an exit plan." <laughs> right? It was only like that, and it was like seven seconds and. You got a real good insight into her character. You know, you immediately knew she was a Texan. You immediately knew she had this sort of personality. Um, I thought it was a wonderful little story. Anyway, that's a segue. Isn't it? <laughs> that's a sidebar. We've yeah, gotten yeah. off topic here. Oh, oh yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so back to the parable. Yeah. We were talking about um, that you asked me 
uh, uh, what I thought of that story. Yeah. And so I started, was going, well, you know, I get the point and it makes the point, but the story itself didn't, you know, not a great story. Yeah. So we started there and perhaps it's the surprise, but maybe there's other things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those stories that um, would do the job. Yeah, and it, good it, enough. Gets good the enough. job done. It gets the job done. I don't think it's going to yep. be the one that you you tell at a party, a dinner party, to really wow the crowd or anything like that. Uh, maybe you will. Maybe you will. Maybe, maybe if they, you can see a big maybe downstream all the, Maybe downstream all the meal, every course comes out and it's terrible. You might be going, <laughs> let's look upstream and check the cook. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, so, but, you know... Would, I wonder whether you'd try... How, what effort would you put in to try to make that a better story? Well, probably not a lot. And uh, W. Edwards, Edwards Deming, the father yeah. of total quality management. Uh, oh, yeah. I and, and people that. people often get him wrong you know, about perfection. He goes, absolutely not. Good enough. That's quality. Yeah. Good enough. Uh, he called it requisite quality. Uh, requisite quality. Good enough to get the job done. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what should, that's what quality is. Well, it's a quality parable. Then. Exactly, gets Excellent. the job done, and and time efficiently. So that's a really important yeah. thing. Now, so we sort of just in the opening gave you a pretty good idea where you would use it, right? So uh, you know, whenever you see the situation, and you more or less want to call it out. You know, this is a, a nice little story to tell. Um, I think it's one of those ones. That, you know, you, it's not you're not going to. Certainly in one setting, it's not like you're going to be telling that story over and over again, particularly, I don't think. Um, I don't know. Maybe. May, no, I can't, can't see it. Can't see it. But I can see another application for it. Oh, yeah. Which is just an exploratory one mm-hmm. where you go, folks, here's you know, husband and wife down, down, went down to the river, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Let's just, I just want you to break into groups for five minutes and talk about are there any things happening in our business where we should be looking upstream. Ah, nice. So like a facilitated workshop yeah, type thing. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I like that. And in fact, for facilitators, that could be a fantastic uh, activity yeah. to get uh, dysfunctional organizations to do. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, functional or dysfunctional. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a good one. A little trigger. Yeah. Trigger for thinking. Yeah. You um, might be surprised at what people come up with. Now, like the parable, I don't think there's too much more we can say about it. But uh, what do you reckon? We, given it's the quality definition that you've made, uh, what do you think would be, uh, you know, your score out of 10 here for this particular little story? Well, it's it, it falls into a different, it's slightly different category. Yeah. Well, sorry, it's a totally different category, parable versus uh, a, a an event, and I'm struggling with giving the the score initially because I'm thinking about the the the, the return on time that you get from it. Yeah, not a great story, but you can get a lot of bang for a very uh, brief period of time. So yeah. I'm going to give it a I'll give it a six. I think no, I'll, I'll take that back. I'll give it a six. Okay, six six out of ten. For me, it's a it's a solid seven. It's a story that I'll definitely in my back pocket. It's easy to tell. Uh, it's funny, you know, when we when I I've actually told this story a couple of times to Mark, and my first telling he hated. Um, 
And <laughs> That's a strong word. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, I could see the look on your face was of, of disdain. And so we had a couple of goes, but I, I think the learning I had out of those re, sort of iterations of it is that we sort of switched. It started off as two friends and... And, and for some reason, that didn't feel natural to us. Uh, just, and of course, it's totally natural for two friends to go down the, to the river. But as soon as we, I made a husband and wife, it sort of felt more like I was thinking about my, my wife and I going down to the river, even though I didn't say that. And it, for me, I was imagining that. And it was e- for some reason, that was easier to tell. So just let's get some insight into your personality and relationship. In that scenario, which one of you would be running upstream? My wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so, so it made, she's it, the it, thinker. It, yeah. It, oh, yeah, yeah. She's the planner. She's the person going, hey, sure, can we do it in an easier way? Um, so, yeah, I think that made it, for some reason, that made that parable easier for me to tell. Whereas the first one, I was, I was at arm's length. From the parable, and yeah, it seemed to certainly came. It felt to me clunky the first time I told it, less clunky the next time. And of course, just reiterates the point that we make all the time that you need to practice your stories, tell them out loud, and they get better and better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what's your score? Oh, I said, I'm oh, sorry, I gave it a solid seven, yeah, solid seven, and um. Yeah, I'd stick by that. It's it's certainly one that makes sense to me. Now, do we have time to just share one more? Parable? Yeah, sure. What have, you, what have you got in your mind? Well, uh, one I heard a little while ago that I thought was uh, potentially useful. Yeah. A farmer comes down, so French farmer, right. um, comes down to the to the village and goes to the restaurant and speaks to the, to the owner of the restaurant and says, I've got, in my, in my farm, I've got a million frogs. Didn't we tell this on the podcast? I hope why. In that case, we'll stop right there. (laughs) Just refer back to the Million Frogs uh, podcast. See, this is what happens. You start to repeat your stories. Um, All right. So, so just forget forget that bit. Yes, and we'll ask. No, leave it in. Oh, we'll we'll leave it in. I'm just asking the listeners to uh, forget it. Yeah, and if you do want to know the story of the Million Frogs, then just go back to one of the early episodes. (laughs) Okay, so. I think we'll wrap it up now. That was good. I'm glad I was able to tell that story. So all I'd say is we've got a few things happening uh, out and about. Like We have some events. Go to our events page where uh, Mike and I are off to Munich uh, in a couple of weeks' time and then London uh, and, then, uh, and then Hong Kong for me. And uh, Mark, you uh, got anything on your yeah, I'm schedule? Yeah, I'm going to Italy in March and uh, we're running public workshops in... Denver, Colorado in May. Great. Okay. And I'm going to be over in the US in April. So lots of uh, things, a lot of uh, movement around. Uh, we're opening up a, an office in the UK, so you'll be able to see more of anecdote in, in Europe. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. But uh, yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you out and about and just drop us a note anytime. We'd love to catch up. And if you are in Munich or London or Denver or any of those places, then please drop us a line and we'd love to catch up. Yeah. Great. So thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And of course, yeah, we want you to tune in next week so you hear another episode on how to put stories to work. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.